Hi, I'm Dr. Corinne Devon. I am the current reigning title of International Ms. 2020, as well as an orthodontist and a naval officer in the United States Navy. Today, I'm discussing what we can learn from American pageants. Welcome to Pageantland, the UK's premier podcast for all things pageantry, with your host, Jessica Barkley. Here you'll find guest experts, past, present, and future queens, plus my own personal insights into what it's like to follow your pageantry dreams. So whether you're hitting the stage for the first time, looking to up your game, or even after some inspiration to follow your own dreams, I hope you will find something here for you. I'll ask the questions you're too embarrassed to and get real about the highs and lows of pageantry. If you enjoy this episode, please give us a share on social and pop me a review on iTunes. Now strap on those heels and let's get into it because we have a lot to cover. Hello, hello, hello and welcome back to another episode. I'm super excited for this one because most people will know I'm quite passionate about platforms and I so often say America seems to do this so much better than us and now I actually get to ask those questions. Um, I obviously I'm a massive advocate for growing the industry in the UK it's the whole goal behind pageant land is to support the growth of contestants and the industry and Americans industry is obviously a lot bigger than ours and and we have a lot that we can learn from them I believe and but before we get into all of that can you explain a little bit about how you got into pageantry as a contestant? Absolutely. I was actually 24 years old in dental school in my second year And one of my classmates was talking to me about how she watched the Miss USA pageant the night before, which was in Las Vegas. The second runner up was a dental student from North Carolina. And she looked at me and said, Corinne, you should do this. You would be perfect. And before I had a chance to respond, there was another classmate of mine. He was listening to our conversation. It was like, oh no, Corinne could never do that. And I turned around and he's like, yeah, I dare to do better. And I just said, watch me. So that year, me who knew nothing about pageants entered to the Miss Nevada USA pageant, walking into scrubs, not knowing what it meant to be on stage or answer an interview question, and I got first runner up. So for me, that's where my journey in pageantry started. That's amazing. You're like, challenge accepted. (laughs) Done and done. (laughs) I love it when people try to tell me I can't do something. Uh, (laughs) It totally means that... I feel like my friends have got used to this point though. They they know how to sort of push you into things by saying you can't do it or you can't, you're not, you're not capable of doing it. They like rile you up, don't they? <laughs> they do. And I guess for me, but sometimes, you know, you just need that person to kind of push you or you just need that fuel for your fire. And for me, that's that was definitely my fuel. So mm. um, I yeah, I've definitely had a, I can relate to that a few times in my life. Um, but I won't I won't point out the offending parties. <laughs> taken more seriously in the USA than they are in the UK? You know, in the USA, what I've noticed, and and I've only been to the UK just a few times, and I have to say, for starters, you have some of the nicest pageant um, women I've ever met. One of your ladies, her name is Amy. I am blanking on her last name. I believe it's Duckworth. She picked me up and my sister, Queen, at the airport, not even meeting us, and drove an hour out of her way each way to make sure we could find our way when we landed in in, uh, Manchester. So 
first off, I just have to give a shout out to the UK pageant girls because I think there's some things that I can learn from them. But I believe in the USA, what I've noticed is that the girls will start preparing for their pageants nine months a year out. They really try to incorporate something into their lifestyle as far as I, I wouldn't ever see any of them like splurge on a pizza or, hey, it's a weekend out with friends. Like I definitely see that um, discipline taken to a whole new level in the U.S. Um, and, and again, it just might be the culture, just might be because of the competition, because we are a bigger country, that there's more women competing for the same spots. Um, so I think that's definitely one reason why. And then also some of the big designers that you see on the pageant stage, such as Sherry Hill, her headquarters is in Austin, Texas. And a lot of the girls who compete at the USA system, or at least for the Miss USA system, I know go to her warehouse. So I think that when you have some of the major designers in the industry in your same country, it gives you a bit of an edge that you may not have in, in other countries. Mm -hmm. Something that I, I ever, everyone knows on the podcast, because I've said it before, that I do send questions in advance, but something, listening to your answer, something that's occurred to me is the fact that your prize packages are often quite a bit bigger. Um, but funnily enough, in the UK, a lot of girls say they don't even know. Um, I've competed four times. I didn't know what any of my prize packages were, apart from winning. And uh, there was internationals for all of them. They had an international. I didn't know anything else that was involved. I didn't know how much of my international was even paid for. I just knew I'd get a place if I won. Um, but do you think that plays a part in the fact that the, the prize packages are often a lot more substantial? You know, I, it, it's hard to say because I've competed in California, Nevada, and Texas. And what I would say is that even when at the U, even within the United States, the level of pageantry and the competition varies by state. So, for example, in Texas, the prize package I got from winning Miss Texas United States in 2012 was better than any package I won in Nevada or California. And I just think because in the state of Texas pageantry is next to football and it's next to God to them yeah. where other places in the U.S. it's not as revered and so um, but I definitely think it does um, play a place especially when you're looking at the age of the girl I think when you have someone who's younger who is relying on you know scholarships or she's relying on sponsors you know the cost of pageant or what she would win if she won the pageant going to the next level I think that is definitely taken in consideration um, with, with the prize package for sure. I, um, but I would say for me, as far as competing, you know, as you get older and because I didn't start competing till I was a miss and then a Ms. most of my, my, my colleagues are, you know, and I call them colleagues, not competitors who I've competed with, you know, for us, it's, it's more of like, what's our why behind the package than the prize package? Like, yeah. you know, is this going to help me lose that baby weight? Is this going to help me learn better how to do social media and marketing, which because of pageants, now I know how to do that better for my own business. So for me, I think that's what I see more women, at least in my age, I'm in my thirties, look at pageantry. Um, then, you know, maybe how you would look at it as a teenager or in your early twenties. Do you find, again, sorry, I'm going to go completely off sheet here. That's okay. Do you find it was easier? Because um, I've actually been talking to a lot of friends about this recently, and we've got uh, an episode coming up, but much later in the year, unfortunately, around sponsorship. Um, sponsorship in the UK is pretty tricky. Um, it's quite often, 
I've seen more and more over the last few years, people have just end up being sponsored by friends and family. And some systems they call the, basically your like contestant fees. Some systems call that a sponsorship and then others will, they're just like, it's just your entry fee, but you can get sponsors if you want. Um, and I don't think the girls in the UK, sorry, UK ladies listening, but I don't think we're as good at promoting our sponsors as we should be. Um, sometimes these sponsors give us a lot of money or a lot of products or discount on products, whatever it may be. And we're not very good at then promoting them. And that's the whole point. They sponsor you so they get some promotion. Um, and US ladies seem to be a lot better at that, like sp sponsor um, contestant relationship. Um, how, how can we, how can we do better? <laughs> So a couple things that I can tell you. So for my last competition that um, that I won for International Miz, we had to do an intro video. And I, you know, the, the money to hire a photographer and a pageant team and a producer and director is, you know, obviously way outside of my budget. But what I did is I looked at people within my community and I currently live in Catania, Italy, Sicily. And there was a guy who had been shooting, but he wasn't very... Um, big on social media. Like you can have a great product, but if it's not marketed well, no one's going to know about you. And so what I did for him is I featured him in my video. I put it on my own YouTube channel. I shared it on all the other girls' channels. And then I also made sure he was in our magazine. And as a thank you to him, I made sure to provide him links to all that stuff to show that it was used with his logo and his symbol, as well as putting it on my ad page. And I, and I pretty much just point blank asked him and his sister you know, um, she spoke a little bit better English than him, you know, what would he envision like as a sponsor? Like, what is it that he wants? And I think when you're direct and you, and you ask people, you know, what they envision, if you can find a way to deliver it, they'll be eternally grateful. Um, and I know for him, like getting that exposure because ultimately he wanted to be featured in some, um, either hotels or tour groups that would allure people to come to Sicily. I knew that if I could expand his audience, into the United States where, you know, that market really had been tapped into to explore another part of Italy that in turn would benefit him. So that's, that's definitely one way to do it. I also tell people a simple thank you card, handwritten thank you card goes a long way, and especially in a digital world, when you really take the time to thank someone. And I always include a ad book where I have their information on my ad page. Um, to me, that's baseline what I do for every single person. Another thing you can do besides if you don't if you don't have a YouTube channel is find a way to feature them on your Instagram, whether it's your stories, your highlight reel, your post, but have something that is thoughtful and engaging. So for example, this year as International Ms., I asked all the girls who had their own businesses, because to me it was truly a sisterhood, I wanted to put them on the um, the pageant Instagram social media that I got to run and said, hey, if you want to send me some photos just some information, I'll put it together, all the hashtags, and I'll link it, and then I'll feature your, you know, your business or your, you know, um, whether it's your cause for a day, because I wanted people to see that, to me, it wasn't just about one girl winning the title, but it was a collection of women that the pageant represented. So to me, that was just something, yes, it took some extra work to do, and I definitely have help. I have a um, another pageant sister, um, her name is Veronica. She helps me with a lot of digital social media. So she's able to maybe help clean things up because I'll be honest, I'm still learning a lot about social media. I'm an orthodontist in the United States Navy. So again, I'm not a professional photographer or, you know, a software engineer, 
but I still want to make sure that I take care of people and make them feel appreciated because at the end of the day, that's what sponsors want. They want to know that they've been recognized, they've been appreciated, and that, you, like you said, you're willing to promote them. I do, I do feel like a lot of, again, sorry, UK ladies, but a lot of UK ladies see it as a one-way street. They get the sponsorship and that's it, them done. Um, they get the, the system will quite often put up like a little profile on their website with the sponsors, um, sometimes not even the sponsors link, it's just the name or the logo um, and they might get it called out on stage. That is like not enough these people have party and then quite often it's these small particularly with the climate we're going through at the moment and um, with the economic climate we're going through at the moment and um, these small sponsors really really need us and um, whereas i i had a dress sponsor and um, stephanie james for my last pageant and it was that making sure i shared every time i was in any of their dresses and tagging them in lots of things and i drove three hours each way to go to their shop relaunch um with a toddler in the car I don't mind the three hours. It was the, the screaming toddler in the car. That was that was fun. <laughs> um, to, to make sure I was there to get extra photos and to make sure I was sharing that. And then when I, if I went to events, I'd be like, oh, where's your dress font? Or well, it's Stephanie Jane's. Um, I wouldn't just say that. I'd be like, here's their, here's their social media links. And um, one of my dresses at finals, not not one I competed in, unfortunately, but was really popular and um, that I was sort of attending one of the other evenings in. So I messaged them and said, look, everyone is loving this dress tonight. Quick, get it up on your social media with the links for people to buy because like four people have come up and said they want it. Um, and it's, it's really nice to kind of have that sort of two-way street. So UK ladies have a plan of action um, with your sponsors. We need to like nurture these relationships a little bit more. Yeah, and I, you know, I agree with that. And and you'll never know because let's say you do the same pageant the following year. Let's say you get first runner up, and you're like, you know, I want to go it again. If you've already kind of done those things for those sponsors, you've built that foundation, that that relationship that you can grow, and those people will come back the following year and want to support you again, which in turn saves you less work of going and finding other sponsors because you've already established those relationships. So. Um, you know, that's something that I always ask my sponsors and that's something I, you know, coming prepared saying, Hey, this is what I can do for you. You know, is there anything else that you envision or, you know, what would this look like? And, you know, and be honest with people, you know, they, they may ask for the sun, the moon and the stars. You may not be able to promise them, but I always tell people focus on what you can do for someone in return. And to, to them, that, that means that you're, you're doing, they're knowing that you're doing everything in your power, um, to say thank you in, in multiple different ways. Definitely. I think it's, um, I've had a few recent copy and paste with the podcast and with Pageant Land as a whole thing um, of people messaging me who clearly haven't actually looked at what I do or who we are and asking to be sponsored. And I'm like, we kind of represent the whole UK pageant industry. I can't really sponsor an individual contestant that's competing in the UK. Once they've got UK titles, then hopefully at some point we're going to be in a position to be able to offer sponsorship I'm very much looking forward to that day um but as we represent all of the UK um I can't really rep sponsor individuals at national competitions it becomes a bit awkward and um you get a lot of copy and paste sponsorship requests um and I'm like you you haven't listened to an episode clearly <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely key. I mean, you got to know your audience. And when you're asking, you know, for something you, I mean, I, I guess for me, you got to do your research, you got to do your homework. There's just no way around that. Um, 
I do I do really like as well what you said about the the longer run-up time to pageants and incorporating it more in your life and a, a big part of the journey for me is how much I've learned from pageantry that's affected my actual life and then general life skills that I've worked on that have conveniently also helped me with pageantry and and to not see it as such a narrow thing if you make it a big part of your life that it does it does help me stay healthy all year round I'm a personal trainer and nutritionist and I should naturally want to stay healthy but actually pageants have more of an impact on me like maintaining that than anything else and so yeah I think that's that's definitely a big lesson come on UK ladies lots more of incorporating into life and if we want to catch up with our with our US sisters lost my words there um usa contestants seem to be a lot better at having a platform as well in pageantry do you agree and why do you think this is well i have to be honest i haven't met too many um women who um are in pageantry in the uk i met um, a small handful when i competed in galaxy and then also several more when i got to work with charlotte camley and the uk gam squad but what i would say is one thing that USA contestants, I find that a lot of us do is that we pick a platform in pageantry that's already something we're doing naturally. So for example, I told you I'm an orthodontist. I was a general dentist first. My platform deals with a lot of um, Children's Dental Health Month, which is a large, um, which February is National Children's Dental Health Month with the American Dental Association. So again, I'm picking a platform on something that I'm already passionate about doing. I would do regardless of pageantry and something that I'm an expert and have a lot of information in. And I find that a lot of the successful women I've met in pageantry United States pick something that either is part of their occupation or it's part of one of their advocations. You know, maybe they have a brother who is autistic. And for them, they love volunteering at Morgan Friedland or, you know, any of these um, places, whether or Make-A-Wish, because it's something they did as a child and they grew up with it or something that they fell in love with. So pageantry is just another way to get more exposure and more awareness to that organization. So for me, like where I find that USA contestants do that is, you know, people always say, oh, how do you have the time to juggle all this? But if you're doing something that's already part of who you are and what represent, represents you as a person. Mm. It, it's not one more thing on the list. It's something that is always on your list of things or passions to do. That's brilliant. I'm going to get a couple of good UK examples. Uh, we've got um, Dr. Zara um, in, in the UK and she has got, I'm going to misquote it. Um, but I think it's, it's like dent, hashtag dental for all um, where she's trying to support donations to those that don't necessarily even have access to get getting toothbrushes and toothpaste and things like that. And she's a dentist. Um, so it ties in really nicely um, with her two passions there. It's quite a new platform. So I don't know enough about it to talk about it, but it is the two plat something that she does every day and that she's naturally passionate about tying in nicely with her platform um, another one um, for those of you listening that you might uh, a name you might recognize Hannah Travers um, who has a platform around health and wellness uh, which is a, a personal journey that she's been on she's qualifying um, as a nutritionist which is part qualified and is qualifying in lots of other areas of nutrition as we speak and runs a blog around it as well um, so 
those are the, the couple of examples that some of the UK people listening might have heard of. Um, myself, I have goal getters, um, goal setting um, and all the work around goal setting and time management was a former business that I had. Um, and I actually wrapped up the business because I wanted to do it free as part of my pageantry. Um, and I can't not plan, it's part of my blood, I think. <laughs> Um, so to be able to teach it as my platform is just another extension of me. Um, so come on, ladies. I'm gonna, I'm like so psyched up for getting like UK contestants to learn all these amazing lessons. Um, well, I hope one day to meet some of them and I truly hope I can come back to your beautiful country once um, we're all not having to be quarantined or grounded when we travel, you know, from one country to the next. <laughs> you have to like stay in your house for two weeks here now if you fly in. So you need to book like, at least a three-week holiday to like even come here but then the hotels are now open so at least yes, yes. day when you get here yes um, yep. that's what I've been told that's what I've been told right now I can only travel within Italy so I'm looking forward to the day when I'm able to tr uh, spread my wings and fly a little further oh, I've got friends that have booked holidays for August and are just hoping <laughs> they're like booked after their insurance would cover them and they're just staying hopeful um but this by the time this comes out, we'll know, actually, because this is coming out, I'm going to say late July, early August. Um, so we'll know, we'll know a bit more about where we can go by then. Um, so we've talked about um, platforms and sponsors and things. Are there any other particular lessons that you've, you think the American contestants do really well that we could really learn from? One thing that I definitely have noticed, and this is not just with the UK contestants, but you know, in my um, journey in pageantry, uh, and also being in the military, I was actually stationed in Japan where I got to watch the Miss International pageant compete. So I saw women from 80 different countries compete. And the one thing that I noticed, especially when I saw swimwear and evening gown and answering this way, entering, answering questions on stage, is that every girl, you could tell which ones was better able to handle that pressure being on stage and speaking English versus someone who wasn't from another country. And what I what I would tell you know women in the UK, and I would say this the same thing also from American contestants, is put yourself on that stage. Some of the smartest girls I know, they always bring their pageant shoes to practice. They get there early, they get comfortable with their environment on stage. So that way, when they have the lights on them, there's a huge audience, there's a mic in front of them, it doesn't feel so foreign, it feels routine. It almost in some ways feels mindless. Um, another thing that I've learned along the way, and I, again, I don't know how popular this is in the UK, but hiring a coach. And I, you know, there's a lot of people who don't always see the value in it. But what I would tell you is look at professional athletes, like athletes that go to the Olympics, they all have personal trainers, they all have coaches. And it's not because we they're not in good shape, they're in phenomenal shape. But they want someone who can put that mirror in front of their face and pinpoint the areas of where they need to work. So that way they can be taken to the next level. And that is something that I noticed, and especially in my journey, when I started competing was the first time I hired a coach she taught me that interview is the first time I meet with the judges and that really will set, you know, who makes the top five. And then from there, you know, really where do you fall? Because it's all about first impressions. And if we make someone feel that we can relate to them, that they are engaging, they're thought provoking, we're wanting to get to know more, we're gonna like them more. And that to me is one of the key ways, at least for me and other women I know in the US that have won pageants. Yeah. 
So we, um, at Pageantland, we have Pageantland coaching and we offer two programmes, um, which funnily enough, neither include any walk training and any interview training. Um, <laughs> I'm quite proud of how unique they are. And we do one, we do one is, which is pageant game plan. Um, and in that, we actually look at helping girls find the right coaches for their walk or their interview. Um, we've got, um, I personally worked with Sparkles and Rhinestones um, and she's a, she does do walk coaching, but she is very much known for her interview coaching. Does not charge enough as far as I'm concerned. I keep telling her to put her prices up. Um, so she's, yeah, financially viable for the major vast majority of people. Um, and it's just an absolute game changer with interview. Um, and then we do have some all-round coaches. Harriet Lane, who actually competed in Japan for mm -hmm. um, Miss International uh, last November. Um, and oh, she's going to shoot me. But I want to say fourth runner-up or third runner-up. I'm going to say fourth runner-up. Um, that she got in that which was absolutely amazing um, that is it's a big system she's got a lot to be proud of that that's incredible and um, so she's she's one of like the favorite coaches in the uk she's actually had coaching to be a coach as well whereas quite often in the uk people have maybe done they've won a little won a bit and then started coaching and yes that does work sometimes but harriet actually went and got coached in how to be a coach um and I know some of the other coaches have done that, but I, I'm, I particularly know um, that Harriet, Harriet did. Um, so there's quite, there's a few in the UK and there's a lot more popping up now. Um, I think because the industry has been, has been around a bit more and we've been evolving that there are now coaches stepping forward. Um, and it still can be quite tricky to find the right one. Um, because we try, quite often we'll just try and find the one that lives nearest to us. Um, and that isn't always the one that knows the system that you're going to be competing in or the one that specializes in the area that you need the most help in. Um, and, and occasionally we get American coaches come over, which is quite nice. Um, so, yeah. So one thing, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jessica, but you said a couple things that I, I feel like that I really want your audience to hear. Um, so my, I live in Italy and I am anywhere between six to nine hour of a time zone change back in the U.S. So my coach that I use right now, she's a seven hour time zone change from me. Ouch. I'm not sure what the time zone change is or distance. So literally she's in Texas and I'm here. Um, when I was stationed in Japan, a coach I used, it was a 13 hour time zone change. She was in Florida and I was in Tokyo. And... <laughs> The reason I'm telling this to your audience and telling it to you is that, yes, it's always nice to have a coach who is convenient that you can see, but in a world where we have Zoom and Skype, and if you find someone who, A, knows the system very well, because to me, that's, that's definitely one thing I look for is I want someone who knows the lay of the land, who's either competed, who's, you know, who's trained other girls where she can maybe ask the tough questions that you as a testing can't ask or find out things. Yeah. Um, you know, just to give you a better idea of what to expect and be better prepared, that will serve you greater. So um, I know the UK girls are are very, um, have done a lot of Galaxy and you guys have had incredible success in that system. And I love Maria Torres. And when I did the system, I had a hard time even communicating with the director and team simply because I was on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. And so working with the coach and her name was Darlene Deben, who worked at the time, she used to be part of the staff, but she no longer, she stepped away and went into coaching. 
it was so key and instrumental. And I truly believe was one of the reasons that I won because she made sure that I had everything I needed to do ahead of time from wardrobe, staging, name it. So I would tell the girls in the UK and I would say this to USA is that if you find a coach who truly pushes you, just don't keep telling you sound great, but truly find things you can work on to be better go with them. Don't care where they are. Get up, get up early morning. I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning to talk to my coach because it was five. It was six o'clock at night, her time the night before. That's, that's what you got to do. It's, it's again, it's that taking things that bit more seriously. And, and also if you, if you do start preparing further in advance, these sort of nine, 12 months in advance, you've got the time to find the right coach and make sure that you're booking in the sessions and things like that. I'm, I'm like, I, I'd love a, a good 14 month run up to a competition, quite honestly, like 12 months for me isn't long enough working around small little person who also now wants to do pageants herself. Um, oh my goodness, your daughter. I, I, um, <laughs> she's, she's won a little charity one um, and she got second runner up in another one recently. Um, they did the tinies as, as photo and little testimonial submissions. And then the, the bigger girls are going to get crowned at an actual finals. But she loves, yeah, loves her crowns and her sashes. And she just like, will stop me in the middle of the supermarket. Well, before lockdown anyway. And she said, mommy, I think we need to practice my walk. And she'll, <laughs> she'll, she'll go, she'll tell me to stand somewhere. She'll be like, you're going to stand there and you be the judges. And then she'll go back and she'll get herself ready and she'll do her little walk down and she'll pose and wave and smile. And she just ignores that everyone else is trying to walk like down the path or the corridor or whatever it is around her. She's like, no, I'm having a little practice time right now. <laughs> that is hilarious. Strutting in the grocery store. Well, it sounds like she's already got the drive, mom, if she is determined to make any like quarter or hallway her stage. I'm like, me, it pushes me harder to, to achieve the, um, and uh, compete in the systems I want to compete in um, and achieve the titles that I wanted to, to have because I, I want to be able to then focus on her. And I've got a couple more years before she can do any of the big ones in the UK. Um, mm -hmm. We don't do glitz with her, um, personal preference. Um, so the, the bigger competition, she's got a few more years. So I need to like, I, I need to hurry up and do the ones that I want to do so I can, I can move into being pageant mum instead of pageant contestant. But um, we'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> and, and what lessons do you think? Cause we, we're not just contestants that listen to the, the podcast. We have quite a few directors and suppliers as well. Um, that are fans, which is always nice. Um, but what lessons do you think the UK pageant industry as a whole could learn from the American industry? Well, one thing that I definitely see is that the the stage, the theater, um, the videographers that they use, you know, one of the fantastic videographers that I have adored and someday when I get married, he will be my videographer. His name is Patrick Stevens. And the thing that I've seen him do is when I was competing at Earth, he would take clips, um, clips of different things that we did along the way. And when he put it together and showed it at the pageant, he made it look like that our two-day rehearsal was like a week-long adventure to the audience. Mm -hmm. And so I think what it really did, it was it kind of upped the ante. It really brought it to that, that pageant to a new level because he really showcased the highlights, but did it in a way that looked very clean and very professional. So that would be definitely one thing that I would look at. Um, another area is, you know, think about the stage in the background. So for example, in Las Vegas, and I mentioned Las Vegas just because it's an area that I can be a lot, 
they actually have stage that have got these um, LED screens. And so they literally can change the background. So if you're doing swimsuit, you look like you're on a beach. If you're doing evening gown, it's kind of got like a moonlit background. But what it does is that when it comes to the pictures, when it comes to the audience, they almost feel like they're part of the pageant versus just sitting and watching it. And so those to me, I think when I've done that versus where I've been at a high school auditorium or at like a performing arts theater, the pictures don't look quite right. The video, it, it, it really makes the pageant um, more elevated. And I think that's what really what I'm hearing from you and your audience and your industry is you want to elevate what you guys have and bring it to another level. And to me, those simple changes can really, really escalate um, your pageant to a, to a whole new level. I, I personally would much rather compete in a more impressive staging environment than have a better prize package. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Me too. Hands down. The staging benefits every contestant, whereas the prize package it just goes to the winners. And they've got the awesomeness of the fact that they've won and they've now got a title year to, to, to enjoy. Um, um, I have seen, yeah, stages have been stepping up. I think the second pageant I ever did, we had to cross each other on the, the catwalk, which was barely wide enough for one person. And I'm not good in heels. I was even worse then because I only just started. And I was just like, I said to the girl walking up, I said, are you good in your shoes? Because I'm not going close to that edge because I am not stable. <laughs> um, can, can, can we work on this? How are we going to get around each other? Because this is not wide enough for me. Um, and I, I actually would, it would massively impact which systems I'd sign up to do with based on, on how much space I'd have on the staging. Um, the Galaxy UK stage has got considerably bigger since I first competed. I could not do two steps across the front of the stage because I'm so tall. Um, the first time I competed there. Wow. Wow. Well, you should definitely go back to the system because it's a great system. I have to tell you, I think what you guys do, um, especially with that system, is very, very impressive. I, I mean, that's why I think the executive director, Maria, comes over every year. I'm sure she comes over also because she just loves the UK. But I mean, coaching yeah. Here, I did coaching with her when she was over. So I've done three galaxies and the stage has got wider each time to the point where I'm now, I don't have to worry about falling off the edge. It's awesome. That, that is, a, that's definitely, a, that's definitely a great, a great thing to have. I've never had that. I'm only five foot three, so I'm much, much shorter than you. But yes, as a very tall, glamorous woman, I would be very worried about falling off the stage as well. Great in heels anyway. I'm, I'm a personal trainer and a, and a mum. So I'm in trainers or bare feet, to be honest, because we, I work from home. So I'm either in my house with no shoes on or I'm in trainers pretty much majority of the time. Um, it's only pageant coaching. So in the last couple of months before a pageant, I will start wearing my boots out more or, or some sort of heel um, just to get my foot used to it again. Um, so I had that extra worry of this like narrow stage and I'm like I know I can't do two full strides I can get one full stride and then a little like tip 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 or, or I can do two half strides like how do I deal with this whereas now I can get like a good I think nearly four full strides across the front of the stage and still not worry about falling off it's good <laughs> oh my goodness yes well that is that definitely sounds a great thing <laughs> but it's it's yeah, I, I, I love the big staging. Um, one that does it very well in the UK is Miss Great Britain, and they now have MS Great Britain as of this year. Um, and their staging is just absolutely incredible. And they do, uh, the front of the audience is seated at tables and they get dinner. 
um, which is my big recommendation. If you're going to watch a pageant on your own and there's a dinner option, book dinner because straight away you've got a table of people you'll be sat with and you can make some friends and they can't run away from you in the same way that non sort of uh, set seating people could. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, that's lovely. I don't hear too many pageants that offer a dinner option. Shoot, well, I want to come to that pageant. That sounds incredible. They do it at the cup. There's been a couple in um, in the UK. That one I went to. There was another one that I was trying to go to, and I couldn't for some reason go. It's sort of for me. It's 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 travel. It's hotel when I get there. It's feeding me when I get there because I'm a really awkward eater. Um, not awkward. High standard eater. <laughs> I have high standards with what I will consume um, and sorting out the childcare. Um, mm-hmm. so sometimes childcare is, is traveling to a pageant to watch someone else's pageant is the cost of childcare often ends up meaning I can't go, which gets a bit frustrating, but um, she'll, she'll be big enough to come soon. And then she can just come with me. It'd be fine. Exactly. Exactly. Something to look forward to. Yeah. She's a little bit too small to guarantee she'll sit through it. So my partner comes, he stays in the hotel room. And then if she doesn't, if she can't get it through to the end, he comes and picks her up from like the function room door and takes her off to bed. But a um, couple more years and she'll sit through the whole thing, which would be awesome. Um, are there, is there anything else that you feel like we should have touched on that we maybe haven't got to? Well, one thing um, that I did want to mention in pageantry is that, you know, posture and confidence is really huge. And and what I mean by that is, you know, I'm five foot three and I'm sorry, I don't know the exact meter measurements, what that would be um, in pageantry in the UK with the metric system. But feet and inches with height. I don't know why it's the one thing that's feet and inches in the UK is height. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Well, where I'm going with this is that, you know, when a lot of people meet me and I've been told that they always think that I'm taller and same thing on stage. And again, what I would tell you, what I've learned in pageantry and also working with great personal trainers is having good posture. When you have a good posture and you stand tall, ladies, it makes you look slimmer in the swimsuit. It makes you look more confident on stage. And then secondly, you know, when you walk in that evening gown or when you answer that onstage question and you already come, you, you literally are commanding that stage, but doing so in a very elegant, yet very um, confident and just, you know, a very feminine way, because you can be strong and you can be feminine. And I say that as someone who is a military female officer, that you can do both. And the beauty about pageantry is we get to wear these amazing gowns that let's be honest, we wouldn't wear to a gala because they're way too heavy. Or we had to not, you know, we had to diet really, really hard. So, you know, they wouldn't be fun to wear to a gala where you can actually, you know, you're eating food. But, you know, doing those things when you go on stage, it really has a commanding presence where you literally take the breath away from the audience. And if you can do that, I think that's really going to what set the stage. And and it's the same with your wardrobe. The, the dress that I have won in, I have had since 2012. I have competed in the same evening gown for the last eight years because every time I do people's breaths are taken away and I feel amazing in that dress so that's those are just some final thoughts you know sometimes girls think they have to change their wardrobe every year sometimes girls feel that they're not tall enough or they don't have a certain look and you know not saying you should completely change yourself to a pageant but you know find a pageant that you really feel like embodies who you are and then look at what you have and if you don't have something guess what borrow it from your pageant sisters I'm going to tell you right now in my closet, I have a cocktail dress and I have a swimsuit that I got from another pageant sister and I have earrings and other things I've led to another. So that's a nice way 
to keep up the camaraderie, but also save a lot of money in pageantry. I, I would, I think as well, because again, because the industry is getting bigger here, there are now more like secondhand dresses and things going up for sale and, and better dresses coming up secondhand for sale. Um, and uh, one of my like mini campaigns is hashtag care what you consume and, and be it the resources of the planet or that you're reading books that are filling your head with bad nonsense that are going to make you miserable, whatever it may be. But um, the fact that we... There's so, so much fabric waste really, really gets to me when the shops reopened here in the UK after, well, sort of partway through lockdown and the queues of people. And I just, I hadn't left my house except for my run. And I wanted to go along those queues of people and say, do you really need to be buying this? Like, is this going to just end up in landfill in about a month and a half's time? I'm so anti-fast fashion. Um, it drives me nuts and if we can get be more willing to sell on and wear dresses and not be like someone else has worn this on stage I can't wear this again then I think we're also doing something good for the planet um which obviously for me is pretty pretty important but should be pretty important for a lot of us <laughs> I agree I we all live agree. here <laughs> we all need to look after it um there was a really oh sorry I'm gonna slight go off slow on a tangent but I think it's important and um, there was a really interesting article I was reading the other day because you you think oh if I donate it to a charity shop um it'll just get sold on and then um what the charity shops can't sell and um, they go into um they get shipped off to other countries that maybe either use it as clothing or they use it as insulation for buildings um and this thing was saying that actually only about 10 percent of what goes to charity shops gets sold um, and because we are so into our fast fashion now, um, and there's so many clothes going through the system, those piles of spare clothes that then got shipped off to countries in need, they don't need them anymore. And um, they've got too much and they're just ending up being heaped up to rot. So we used wow. to, oh, it's great. As long as we don't put it in the bin, it's okay. Like I have a fabric recycling bag, majority goes to the charity shop or I try and sell it if it's something that is worth a little bit um but and I was like oh it's great no everything all, all the fabric that leaves this house isn't going into landfill I'm doing okay and then I read that and I was like oh I need to do more <laughs> I need to do better um so the more I think yeah it's it's definitely will be a lot more a part of the run-up to my next competition about my hashtag care what you consume because I think we are when it comes to like you're saying these big statement dresses we do get a bit worried about oh someone else might have been seen on stage in it but if you have got the confidence and you're commanding that stage it will look completely different absolutely absolutely because let's be honest are we looking at the dress on stage or are we looking at the girl in the dress on stage it's like um and accessorize it well exactly mix it up add a cape do something different with it um we've got a an amazing lady over here that customized well she makes makes swimwear and will customize pieces as well and um, so i competed in one of a piece of her swimwear and then i've sent it back to her and she's going to change it up to use again so i'm not having to buy a whole new piece um but it'll be a little bit different next time i wear it for competition i don't even have a competition yet to wear it for but i just thought while i'm putting it away from contest it might as well go via her house <laughs> There you go. 
get it done. Oh, it's been so amazing to have you on. And where can we find you on social media? You can find me um, on Instagram at Dr. Corinne Devon, and that's D-R-C-O-R-I-N-N-E-D-E-V-I-N. I also am on Facebook as Dr. Corinne Devon, as well as YouTube and LinkedIn, and um, my email, which is Devon at gmail.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I... Oh. There's just so many different bits of this episode that we're going to have to go into in more detail and have like separate episodes on um, the content over the next few months for those of you listening. Um, I'm super excited about it. And I feel like I say that every time I'm in this cycle of creating the next load of content um, that I just get buzzed and hyped all over again. Um, but recently the, the pageant land went from being just me running it to the team of eight of us. So now you've got eight ideas coming into your headphones or your speakers whatever you're listening to this on and um, don't forget we've still got our competition on um itunes so if you go and submit um a rating and review um once we hit 50 reviews we'll be selecting one of those to win a 20 pounds amazon voucher and you can be from anywhere in the world and win that um it'll be a digital voucher so it'll convert as long as you've got amazon where you are then you're good to go and um, so that's only on the itunes ones so make sure you hop over to itunes and and leave us a rating review and um, thank you so much and um, i will i will leave you in peace to go on and en enjoy your evening and i hope lockdown lifts for you quite soon thank you and same to you god bless you jessica Thank you for joining me today. I value and appreciate your time so much. It's wonderful you've given some of it to this episode. Please rock on over to our Facebook or Instagram and share your thoughts. And I would love you to give this episode a share while you're there. For any specific links, check the show notes or rock on over to our website, pageantlandpodcast.com for more information about the podcast or how you can be a guest on a future episode. Have an amazing day. And remember, you sparkle your brightest when you're being yourself. See you soon.